NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We are proud and honored to bring Penske Truck Rental to the show as the presenting sponsor of Pit Pass Indy. We will continue to cover the entire NTT IndyCar Series community, and our new partners at Penske Truck Rental will help us tell those stories. This week's guest is one of the star drivers of the NTT IndyCar Series. He also knows a few things about trucking. It's Scott McLaughlin, driver of the number three Team Penske Chevrolet. The native of Christchurch, New Zealand, begins his third full season in the NTT IndyCar Series and is one of the leading contenders for the 2023 championship. He was a central character in the drama that played out in the season-opening Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg on March the 5th. McLaughlin led the most laps in the race with 37, and Roman Grosjean of Andretti Autosport was in front for 31 laps, but both drivers crashed into the Turn 4 tire barrier in a dramatic event that helped shape the outcome of the race. Grosjean pitted on lap 71 for what he hoped would be the final stop of the race. One lap later, McLaughlin pitted as the leader. As Grosjean came down the front straight at full speed, McLaughlin left pit lane on cold tires, and the two cars intersected at pit out in a side-by-side battle. But as the two cars raced into the turn four area, both made contact and both crashed into the tire barrier. Grosjean's race was over, but McLaughlin would later continue in the race and finish 13th one lap down. He was issued an avoidable contact penalty by IndyCar Race Control. McLaughlin finished 13th in the race and is 11th in the NTT IndyCar Series Championship standings. This weekend, he will be one of five IndyCar drivers that competes in the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring IMSA Sports Car Race. He will be driving for Tower Motorsports. I had a chance to spend time with McLaughlin at the Team Penske shop in Mooresville, North Carolina, where we talked about a variety of subjects, including a few things you may not know about Scott McLaughlin away from the racetrack. Here's my exclusive interview with McLaughlin for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is Team Penske driver Scott McLaughlin, driver of the number three Chevrolet. Before we get rolling on the IndyCar season, our sponsor at Penske Logistics and Penske Truck Rental is involved in hauling freight up and down the road. That's near and dear to your heart. If you could explain to our listeners, the McLaughlins actually have a direct connection to trucking. Yes, we do. And, I mean, Dad is... 
this goes all the way back to when my dad had his first truck. Well, my dad's been in trucking for many years, um, still is a little bit, but Detroit diesel engines, and which are now basically MTU, um, which is a big uh, and near and dear to Roger's heart and business. Um, he ran those in his trucks for many years. And then going on to that, my mum and dad created a business called McLaughlin Freight Lines um, and uh, had 70 odd trucks and sold it in 2009. But now dad sort of just does his, you know, one or two loads a day and still is still a trucker by doing that. So he enjoys that. How much as a youngster did you enjoy riding with your dad on some of those long hauls and those big trucks? Oh, I loved it, particularly when we used to transport the bread and the and the pies and the food because you used to get all the, you know, the off scraps and stuff. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, I went on many trips with my old man. Um, definitely missed those days for sure. My dad is now actually a logger. He, he goes through forests and stuff now and he can't actually take passengers. Like that's the, the OH these days, you know, don't allow you to do that. So um, yeah, it sucks. I can't go on the truck with him anymore, at least when he's doing this job. But I had a lot of fun when I was a kid doing it. Coming from a trucking family, you understand the value of having reliability and the latest uh, maintained vehicles. And that's what you get at Penske Truck Rentals. How valuable is that to a customer to be able to know that when they rent a car or rent a truck, from Penske truck rentals that they're going to have something that's dependable and reliable and it's going to carry the freight. Yeah, it's it's important. I mean, they're paying they're paying for a service, they get a service and I feel like um, not only in the Penske truck rental, but with the, the, the car dealerships and the service side of the business as well. I feel like, you know, it's first class, bit like our race team. And it's, there's a lot of attention to detail. Rogers across everything. And um, I think the customers always get that first class service that they're always asking for. Does it also surprise you every time you go to a race weekend, you have vendors, you have souvenirs, sales, you have concessionaires, you'll see a lot of Penske truck rental trucks at a lot of venues such as this past weekend at the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Mm. Petersburg. Oh, well, I used to, when I first came to America, I, was, I used to look around and I'd see like the truck rentals and and I'd, and I'd sort of point them out and go, oh, there's a Penske truck. And then now I'm so used to it that Everyone uses a Penske truck, even when I move house. So it's um it's funny the uh you know it's just it is part of the way of life and the way I explain who I drive for. I'm like if they don't know who Roger Penske is, I'm like hey do you you know those yellow trucks or the white trucks that you know you see rolling around? Well yeah I drive for him and they're like, oh okay so they're definitely like a part of the American culture. I've started to gather and it's very cool. And with you and your wife, Carly, looking for a new home, I'm sure when yeah. you get ready to move, you'll have Penske Truck Rental help you get some of that stuff to the new house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got the, this is not a plug. I literally have the right connections and, you know, I'm a race driver. I don't like paying for anything. So I go straight to Penske Truck Rental for my help there. Also, the between the race team at Team Penske and the Penske Corporation, you have a chance to do a lot of meet and greets and speak to a lot of sponsor gatherings and hospitality groups before races. How enjoyable is that to do on the morning of a race? I'm sure you're probably pretty focused on later in the day, but does this help get the day started to where you're able to get your mind off a little bit of what's going to go on on the track? I think, especially if you look back on St. Pete the first weekend of the year, like a lot of our partners are, are jacked up. Like they're excited, they're, they're ready to go. So you feel that energy as well. I mean, you're in a hospitality tent full of 300, 400 people. It's pretty awesome. And, um, you know, they're all excited to see what goes on. You're talking about your race and where you've qualified and what, what goes on. But right then it's all predictions. But it's a good way to, you know, I guess, weld in your head the strategy and what the 
what the goal is because you're talking to Tim Sindrick and he's asking you the questions and you got to say the right answer because it's Tim Sindrick. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I enjoy that and it definitely gets me all jacked up for the weekend. Does it also make you realize that all those people are there and they're all excited to watch you and Will and Joseph go out there and race. Well, it's a big deal to these people. It's a huge deal. And whether it's me driving the Dex car, the Sonsio car, Penzoil, you know, a lot of the people in there are just partners of the team. And, you know, I guess you feel the the sense of responsibility of doing a good job and when things go good, how good it is when you have people there that are supporting you. But also when things go bad and how you um, react to that and how you conduct yourself after the race, like, you know, there's a lot of people there that, you know, they've got a lot of, big brands, big sponsorship dollars in the team that expecting you to do a good job and, and on and off the track. And, um, I definitely think you get that feeling at the hospitality team. You're like, well, this is a big deal. And it's definitely the biggest I've seen, especially for here being in America. And also you, uh, see how Roger Penske and Bud Danker and Jonathan Gibson and others in the Penske corporation, how important that is to them. Greg Penske, you know, that there's a lot of responsibility when you sign up to be a team Penske driver, you're not just representing the race team, you're representing the corporation. You are. And I mean, when I first signed with Penske, you, you sit in a boardroom kind of like we are now and they, they basically go through a PowerPoint and explain to you the, the ins and outs of the business. I mean, at the time when I signed on in 2017, there was 55,000 employees and worldwide within our whole business. Well, now there's upwards of 70,000 and the business is just getting bigger. But a big part of being a Penske driver is understanding the business and why we go racing and why we represent the brands we do, why we do business to business and how important it is for not only us to keep racing, but for 75,000 people to have jobs and you have that responsibility and the, the race seems a big part of that and I enjoy that. What's it like for you when Roger Penske comes up after a race and talks to you about the race or gives you an attaboy? Yeah, yeah. Look, he uh, he's not scared to give you a slap on the wrist, but he's not scared to give you a, a pat on the back and um, you know, I've got a huge amount of respect for every, everything he says to me. He's seen everything and good, bad, and different, and uh, I just enjoy it. I enjoy um, just rolling to, uh, to the RP1, our little transporter there, and, and seeing him and catching up with him and finding out his thoughts. Um, like I said, sometimes you're on the good side, sometimes you're on the bad side, but at the end of the day, I feel like he'll do anything. He'll go and he's, he's like a, you know, us drivers for him are very special to him, and I think he'd do anything for us, and, uh, you know, you definitely get that feeling. Does it amaze you that a man at 86 years old that a lot of people at that age are sitting in a rocking chair on the back porch, but not Roger Penske. He's out conquering new worlds. He always, I, I think the minute he stops, you know, it's going to slow down even more for him. So I think he knows that and he's uh, he's an incredible person um, for what he's done in business, what he's done in motorsport. Like uh, he's such a, um, he's got like this, presidential vibe about him you know like I, I he's I always say to people I think he could be like the president like he's just, just such a a good guy someone that's um sees both sides um but he's also a great leader and and understands that re whether you're the whether you're the janitor whether you're the president of the corporation you know human capital is huge for everything and and he, he treats everyone exactly the same 
Well, he would certainly get my vote. I'm not so sure I uh, should uh, bring up politics on the podcast, but he definitely has leadership qualities, and a lot of people in our government could learn some leadership yeah. qualities from Roger Pinsky. Look, I'm just a foreigner. You know, I'm, I, I can't vote, so don't worry. Prior to going to St. Petersburg, a lot of people need to know that Scott McLaughlin is also a very avid golfer, mm. and you had a chance to play uh some pretty interesting rounds of golf, if you could tell our listeners some of your golfing tales. Yeah, look, I had, uh, I had golf's a big thing for me, Bruce. It's my outlet. It's my way of getting away from the sport and enjoying life a little bit. And uh, I had the opportunity to play in the Pro-Am. David Hovis from Team Penske organized that. We played uh, um, the Pro-Am at Arnold Palmer Invita- Invitational at Arnie's Place, so at Bay Hill. Incredible place, um, incredible experience to be inside the ropes and almost feel like a pro- professional player. A lot of nerves, but um, yeah, to, to play a pro-am and my pro was actually Zach Johnson, so Masters champ, Open winner, now the current Ryder Cup captain for USA. So great thing to put on my CV when I go for my US, US citizenship in a few years because I've just played with the Ryder Cup captain. But an incredible experience, something that I really enjoy and um, just count myself very lucky to be in that position. Had you not been a race driver, are you good enough at golf that you could have been a tour professional? Oh, I don't know. I think everyone thinks that. There's so many golfers in the world, but I, I it, golf is something that I – like, especially when I retire from racing, like I generally will take up a keen interest at getting very good. I mean, I, I feel like with the time that I have now, like I'm I'm a single, single like golfer, single number golfer. Um, I feel like I could work it down pretty good. But, you know, what those guys do on the tour, um, you know, I've played with a guy named Josh Williams, who's Blaney's spotter, um, incredible golfer, plus two and a half. Well, he didn't make the tour. I think he could, but he's just so good. And you see that. And then there's like a level that makes Josh look bad, you know, and that's the, the that's why I have so much respect and so much um, admiration for, uh, for golfers. And, 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 and I think that's why I love the sport so much. Are you the best golfer of the IndyCar paddock? No doubt. No doubt. I'll call my shot right now. And if so, someone wants to do it, I'll play plenty. I'll play $50 skins. What do you want to do? We'll put some money on it and have a go. <laughs> There's your challenge right there, I folks. reckon Graham Rahal is probably my closest comp right now. Have you played rounds with Graham? Yes. I'm, I, and I feel like I'm. that's why I'm confident I'm better than him. <laughs> now, from what I understand... Roger Penske was a very good golfer in his day. He's probably, yes, he definitely still is. When you see, that's the great thing about golf is it's a sport or a game for all ages. You can still be out there whacking that ball in your Mm -hmm. 80s, just like somebody that's a teenager. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, um, you know, my wife as well, like she plays from the ladies tees, but like her handicap, like by the end of a stable food game or, or something like that, you know, she's sometimes, you know, on my tail, depends how she plays. And that's, what's great about the sport. Um, I personally, I love the sport because the sport of golf really got me my chance in motorsport with, uh, I played a game of golf with Gary Rogers, who was the guy that I drove for the very first time in supercars. I, I was 18 years old. I had no drive. I didn't know where I was going. And I played a game of golf with him and he got to know who I was and he gave me a test the next week. And then after that test, he signed me up for a three-year deal. So if it wasn't for golf and the opportunity to spend four hours on a golf course with a CEO or a boss of a race team or whatever, 
it's a very unique sport in that regard. And I really, I, I put a lot of um, my relationship with my sponsors, relationships with my racing teams down to like the, that four hours that you just get away from your phone, you get away from the, the world, hitting a little white ball, whether it's good or bad. Plus, you'd be amazed at how many auto racing deals have been cut on the golf course. Oh yeah, I mean, I've 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 cut I've cut, uh, I've cut a, a huge amount of deals on the on the golf course, but I think it's just a good way. You see a lot of different personalities on a golf course, and I think people can whether you can see, you know, if people are faking it or they're like legitimate humans, and uh, you know, I enjoy it. Is your forte the long game or on the greens? Uh, depends. I mean, I can definitely hit a, a – Not, I'm not the longest hitter. I can hit – my drives are probably 270, 280. But the, I'm, I feel like my touch around the green and my putting is really good, um, which sometimes that's more the money game than, than anything. Now, because of that, do you see that golf and IndyCar racing have a lot in common in the fact that you've got to have precision in both to be very good? Yeah, I mean, you, you do. It's, but it's also a mental side of the sport. You know, if you have a bad lap in IndyCar, you've got to come back and be stronger, whether it's in Q1, Q2, Q3, or during the race. Um, same as golf, you have a bad shot, you just got to get on with it. But I definitely can see um, similarities with what we do, um, golf and motorsport. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Here is part two of my exclusive interview with Team Penske's Scott McLaughlin for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. 
Moving on to the 2023 NTT IndyCar Series, you got off to a very impressive start for mm. much of the season opening Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. You led the most laps in the race mm. with 37. Unfortunately, uh, lap 72, the pit stop exchange, Roman Grosjean was the first to pit on lap 71. Mm. He's coming down the front straight on warmed up tires. You're leaving the pits on lap 72 on cold tires, and you both intersect at pit out. And then by the time you got to turn four, mm. you're both in the tire barrier from... I know you took that pretty hard and that you went and apologized to Roman at his team transporter after that. But if you could walk us through, from your point of view, what transpired during that yeah. whole exchange? Well, firstly, I think that we were closer. Roman was closer to me than he should have been because I got held up on my way in. So I lost probably about a second and a half, two seconds on the way in. So that really cost me. Um, so if I get a clean in lap, I'm, I'm in. But we took that risk. We took the risk of running the overcut. We caught our lap traffic uh, f uh, closer than we thought. And that I knew that was going to be tight. But for us to even come out in front of Romain, that was a, a great job by my crew. You know, the, the pits were unreal. They, they, were, they were the fastest in pit lane by a mile. But um, I blocked Romain. He went to the outside. Um Initially, I had done this pass before, but I was on the green tire. I was now on the black tire. I knew I was on the black tire, obviously, but I I made an error. Um, I think if I didn't lock my rears towards the end of the um, the braking, you know, maybe I I uh, I make the corner without contact. But at the same time, I think Romain also like he was barely going to make the corner as well with how deep he threw it in. I, I, like, I think it's a racing incident. I'm sorry for my part in it for sure. And that's what I probably apologize for probably more so. And looking back on it now, um, I probably took more of the blame than I probably should have, but I'd rather that way because it, that's just how I saw it firsthand. But you can look at it. Captain hindsight's a wonderful thing. You can look at it many different ways from different angles and whatever, and come to the conclusion that, oh, so who is, whoever's at fault. But Looking back on it now, I definitely think probably it was a racing incident. I think Romain got that. Um, but I'm glad I took it on the chin and, and got on with it. And it, it, it's it's one of those deals. You know, I wasn't going to back out. I'm racing the win. If it was second last race of the year, I needed points. Yeah, probably would have thought about it a bit more. But I knew if I got past Grosjean there, like we would have won the race. There's no doubt. So... I was in your pit area when you came in and you really took it hard. Were mm. you still thinking about that during the closing 30 laps of the race? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, 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 for sure. That that sort of incident eats you up for sure. Um, but I was more like, yeah, it sucks that I, I, I took another driver out with me. But at the same time, like, I was more pissed off of my team, you know, and, and the opportunity that we had. And it was just disappointing because I knew that we got, we, we did get held up like coming in. So I wish I got held up a little bit more. So I wasn't even in that position. It was just like the most awkward position we could have been in. And it made us having to make that split second decision. But like I said, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It is. And, but for us to still finish the race, get out. And I think we're 11th in the point points now. I think we uh, were very lucky. So to go up to Roman outside his team transporter, mm. when drivers talk to other drivers after a race, after they've had an incident, it's something that needs to happen, has to happen, but how difficult is it to really have the 
it's like you said, man up and go and, and yeah. accept it. I've always been big on just a man-to-man conversation, just like here's how I see it. I didn't know how Ramon was going to – I didn't know that he was going to give me a hug or whatever. Like, I didn't know he was going to be so gracious, to be honest. I thought he was going to be more mad than he was. But I was just going to explain my case, apologize for my part of the incident and just be a bigger man and move on. Um, and I've, I've always been like that. My mum and dad have always taught me to be like that, um, just sort of how I've been growing up. But, um, yeah, I just – you know, I, I I don't I don't race like that. I'm not a I'm not a dirty racer. I'm a, I'm an aggressive racer, and I'll go for a move if I need to, but I don't deliberate deliberately take people out. I just needed to make sure that he didn't think that I took him out deliberately. But isn't one of the beautiful things about doing that is that you immediately feel a burden lifted off your shoulders? Yeah, yeah. But then you got to deal with the boss. <laughs> but um, like, but thankfully the boss was great with it as well. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, it is. But it. For me, it's like, that's just part of who I am. I mean, like I said, I'll go for the move. I don't care who it is, whether it's my best friend, whether it's my enemy, I'll do whatever move I need to do to win a race. But if I stuff up, I'll own it. And I know I stuffed up at some point, um, whether Romain ended in the fence or not. Um, but that that that's a, it's a frustrating, it's a frustrating thing because you, you know we're both in a position to win and yeah. It was a race that was... Very chaotic. Two cars went airborne, two separate crashes. When you had a chance to maybe review the race, what did you think as an IndyCar driver? Did you think, well, we've all got to do a better job than that? Yeah, but I think it's it's all relative. You can't look at it and go, oh, the, the race was like, you know, off its brain or like everyone wants action. And then when we have too much, it's like natural. Everyone's like, oh, it's way too much action. It's like, well, no, like... I actually think like it's just circumstantial. Like sometimes like if that crash at the start didn't happen, we go green for, you know, probably till our incident. That personally, that's why I think like our incident goes green till. Um, it's it's just circumstantial. Unfortunately, I think there's things like at the start of the race where we started the race and there was so, there's cars still coming through turn 10. So that obviously adds to the opportunity for a, a stuff up later on because people are coming at different pace and the, the grid is getting closer and closer. And then eventually you have that concertina effect like we did at turn three when Felix was in the fence. Um, but no, I think I, I personally, I watched the race. I actually really enjoyed it up until my incident. I thought it was a really good race. Still thought it was a good race towards the end. Drama everywhere. The strange things about IndyCar critics is if there's no action, they want a great show and they mm-hmm. complain that the race wasn't a great show. Mm-hmm. If they have too much action, they call it a bleep show. Yep. And that has to really probably rankle a lot of people in the IndyCar paddock. It's almost like... No matter what you do, there's always somebody that's going to criticize. I mean, yeah, I guess you guys are critics. You know, people, you know, media, you've got to report about something. And if there's a storyline that you need to report, you'd report it. Um, I I respect everyone and what they say. Whether I agree with it is another story. But I personally, I thought watching the race back, I thought it was a very good race. I thought it had great strategy. I thought the the green tire, the way that it degraded was very, very good. Um, with the black tire, you know, being really strong. I, I think we need more of that because um, it just it, it, it just opens up the race really well. And I know when I started on black tires just before the start of the race, I'm like, well, I could win this race today just from that perspective. And it's it's um, it's IndyCar racing. I mean, I think you watched the previous open wheel race in the morning and it was bleak. 
you know, and we, the, 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 the race that we put on was un- incredible. So I, I'm, I'm proud of being the car driver. I'm proud that we, uh, the product that we, that we put on and can't wait for it to get bigger and bigger because St. Pete was huge. But from an event standpoint, it was huge. It yeah. was a mass of people Crazy. Mm. trying to walk pit lane before the race. I'm sure it was difficult for you to just get to the car through yeah. all the people. Yeah. And, to see that kind of vibe and feel that kind of excitement that was on the streets of St. Petersburg for the whole weekend has to really give you a good feeling that there's a lot of people that are behind the event and the series. No, I think, and I think IndyCar is doing a fantastic job with growing the sport and um, and and really using the momentum that we've got right now, whether it's putting ads in the markets that we're going to and, and, and markets that we're not in. Like Friday felt like a Saturday crowd and Saturday felt like a race day crowd and Sunday was just astronomical. And um, yeah, like you're right, getting through the crowd was probably the hardest thing of my weekend more than anything. But from my understanding, walking back through the pits and stuff, everyone thought it was a great race. You know, to have the Twitter banter left, right, good, bad, and different, it's passion. And that's what the sports need. Sports needs, whether you're getting ripped on or, or, or whether you're getting positive feedback, you, every, we need this. We need controversy. We need different, uh, different opinions. And you only get that when people watch the race. And, and I thought we had a great crowd on the weekend. It almost makes you wish that the docu-series 100 Days to Indy was airing this week because yeah. there was a lot of content. They got that everything. That Trust me. They got everything. So I, I'm, I'm very excited because uh, I, I thought, I, I think the first episode is going to be a very good one. Have you gotten used yet to having some of the Vice Media crew f- shadowing you all yeah. over? I, I didn't even think about it um, when I went and saw Grosjean, but they were right there. Um You've definitely got to th- think about it more, but that's that's what we need. We need it to be a fly on the wall thing where drivers don't think about things, um, and we just you know say what we think and they capture good things. I, I think it's a great deal. From a championship standpoint, there were a lot of big name contenders that had issues. Thirteenth mm. place finish may not be ideal, but when you look at some of the guys that are behind you, you yeah. have to feel like. If that's the way the season starts, we can build on that and go to Texas. Maybe I can return the favor to Joseph Newgarden on that last lap. You have to feel very good heading to Texas that you can win that race. Oh, no doubt. You know, two seconds the last two years. I think we've got a good chance. I feel like I'm very strong there. Um, I feel like I'm strong anywhere, which is really a cool thing. But, you know, we're, I think I look at, for me, I look at Dixon. You know, I'm 15 points behind Dixon right now. we got some good points. We led a lot of laps, so we got extra points for that. Um, and then you look at, say, Joseph, Roman, Herder, fast guys, didn't finish the race. So I count myself lucky that I've, I want, I've got some points um, and I just build. You know, you just can't afford to have too many of the days that we had, but I know we won't. I know we, we can win some races and get back, you know, pretty easily. It's very early to be talking about all that stuff right now. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month 
to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Here is the final part of my exclusive interview with Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Does it surprise you that you have clicked to the big oval at Texas Motor Speedway as quickly as you have? Because that was second place was your... When you were a rookie, that was your best finish. Yeah, no, that's uh, it. Did surprise me, but then I, I actually feel really comfortable on ovals. I've got a great base setup. Um, I feel like I got a good feeling in the car, and I've you know when I was growing, growing with the car and growing with the team, you know, I got great teammates to to build off from. It makes the job a lot easier when you know the limit of the car and you know sort of where they're at and you sort of drive to it and then you get a feel for it at that limit and you can push the barrel a little bit more. And you know, I'm very like I've got a great team, great teammates around me. Even though the tracks are two totally different tracks, uh, Texas Motor Speedway and the Oval at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, does anything translate from that first Oval race that helps you as a driver prepare for the month of May? Oh, no, for sure. I think... Uh, well, it's the closest we get to the speeds that we do at Indy. Um, it gives you an idea of, I guess, just where you want a few things positioned and how you can use your tools and stuff. Um, but like we know, like Indy's a different beast with the wind and, and um, you know, the boost when we turn it up and the four laps. So, yeah, I, it's it probably gives you more of a – it's nice to have some perspective of what it's like at that speed again before you go into like the open test and then into the month of May. There seems to be a lot of discussion about the three weeks off between the first race of the season and the second race at Texas Motor Speedway. Probably a lot more goes into that than some people realize. There has to be an event to compete at. There has to be TV time to televise that event with the TV partner NBC or even with USA Network, one of their uh, partners in NBC. It's not as easy as a lot of people think as to why is IndyCar not racing again until first weekend of April. But you as a driver, how much would you have liked to have been back in a race car? Maybe not this weekend, but maybe next. Yeah, no, I, I would love that, especially in IndyCar. But, you know, that's the reason why I've decided to try and do endurance races in the NIMSA this year. And that's why I'm doing Sebring next weekend. But for sure, you know, um, we're in Florida. Would you love to go to maybe Homestead and get a little oval in or something like that? Um, sure. But understanding that it's the business. So we're, they're, they're, they're doing the best they can um, with our schedule. We'd like to – we don't want to add events just be, because we want to add events. We want to make sure they're right. I think you look at Iowa, brought that back. It's, it's a banger. Um, St. Pete's just getting bigger. Um, yeah, I, I think – yeah, I – I think we're doing oh, – yes, we'd love more racing. Don't get me wrong, I'm a race driver, but I think we're doing the right thing for the sport right now. It sucks the break that we have, but I think that'll get better in the future. And also a lot of the people who complain about the March schedule should probably take a look at the July schedule yeah. where you're racing well, something like five races in four weekends. I'm counting myself very lucky because there's a, there's a point there in the middle of the season where I think I'm going like 11 weekends in a row or I'm got on my way 11 weekends. So I'm – taking the time to relax and enjoy it right now. 
Going to take a left-hand turn here real quick, or maybe a right-hand turn would be more appropriate. But this past weekend or this past week, there were two announcements of two former Formula One world champions that are going to drive in the NASCAR Cup Series. One is Kimi Raikkonen is going to drive the Project 91 car, which is part of Track House. He's going to drive at Coda. And the other was an announcement that Jensen Button is going to drive for Rick Ware Racing in a Stuart Haas Racing project uh, in three races this year. You as an international racing driver, what do you think of that? And how interested are you one day to maybe climb into a Team Penske stock car? Yeah. Oh, look, I've always been very interested in that last part. Um, but I think it's awesome. These guys are trying. These The, the new cars are allowing like drivers like this to, to, to drive them, which is a good thing. And obviously that's what NASCAR wanted. Um, and more road courses, which is allowing that also. Um, but yeah, excited. I mean, we saw Kimmy at Watkins Glen last year and he was really good, really strong. And then Jensen, I think he'll be strong as well. And he's been testing the the Garage 56 car, I think it's called. Um, you know, and that's, that's going really well for them. And I'm sure that's why he's doing it because it's like a, um, it's definitely like a, a, a project for him before he goes to Le Mans, which is kind of weird if you think about it because this is a Ford, He's racing for Ford and NASCAR and then going to do the Chevy thing. So I wonder how that works out. But um, I've never really thought of that. But, um, no, I think he uh, – it's going to be awesome to see. For me, like a little little jealous, I guess you could say. You know, you want to – one day – I just want to drive anything. And I, I for sure one day would love to have a go in a, in a cup race. Yeah, I've got good friends like Bubba, Wallace, Ryan Blaney. We play a lot of golf together. We hang out. They're always like pushing the barrier, like, come on, man, like, come try it. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, Jordan Taylor's racing for Chase Elliott this weekend for, for bad circumstances. But, you know, I think there'll be a time when it happens, hopefully. Um, but it just needs to be the right time. And I don't know when that will be. And then I'll just go off the, what the big boss says and what, what Tim says. And, but I, I definitely don't doubt, you know, that one day that maybe I can have a crack. I, I definitely think there's a chance. Just down the street from Team Penske is GoPro Motorplex, which is owned by Justin Marks, who owns Trackhouse. He's a great guy. What is your view of, I look at Justin Marks at the age of 41 and see a little bit of Roger Penske in him. He's a guy that's not afraid to make big decisions and bold moves, and he may be exactly what NASCAR and maybe even auto racing needs right now. Yeah, I think he's changing the game. I think he's doing a really good job with his, you know, I think he's done like a really good job with that whole track house pro program from the point where he come in with it initially with the one car with Suarez. And then obviously along the lines, he was targeting Ganassi's NASCAR team and then eventually, uh, you know, took control of that, but he took his time with it, understood the sport, how to run a team. You got to respect that. And he's done that with GoPro. Like the GoPro Motorplex is, is it's a, that, that place prints money. <laughs> it's un, like, it's, it's unbelievable. But I think, you know, you got to take your hat off to the guy. He's, he's doing things differently, but it's working out. And NASCAR for sure needs it. Um, I mean, would I love to see him in an IndyCar, like as a, as a team owner? For sure. Like he's just, he's changing the game. And I wouldn't be surprised maybe one day he enters like the Indy 500 at least, or maybe has a car. It's just, I think Trackhouse is, is um, you know, 
I've spoken to Daniel Suarez before. He's a really good guy. You know, Ross Chastain, he's come out of the woodwork. We knew, you knew he was fast, but they've got really diverse characters in there. You know, Pitbull's a team owner. I think it's just really cool. And his brand is cool. And that's what's going to help make motorsport cool in the future. And uh, we need more people like him for sure. He's also a partner of the big machine Music City Grand Prix, so yep. he understands the value of IndyCar racing, and he definitely wants to have a car in the Indianapolis 500 sooner rather than later. He says it needs to be something that maybe a program that people haven't seen before, and what he means by that is very intriguing. Mm. He wants to know that when track houses at the Indianapolis 500 that people realize that. Yeah. And to be able to see that broad view, big picture, I think is very important, not only for NASCAR, but for all of auto racing. Oh, it's great. I mean, you know, if he comes in and revolutionizes some of the stuff with the 500, like that's cool in itself. I mean, we're always going to do things our way, Penske way, you know, that's just who we are. Um, but I definitely th think people like Justin Marks and Trackhouse are pushing us to be different from how we are traditionally, whether that's, you know, our social media presence. Like who would have thought Team Penske would have a TikTok? You know, like that just never was ever going to be a thing. And I think it's really cool to see. It's um, as a driver, it's really refreshing. And I take my hat off to Justin. I think it's, I think it's great. But I also like have so much respect in the way that Roger's been the same for so many years and it's worked. So there's a, there's a, there's a special way about doing things. You don't need to completely reinvent the wheel, maybe change a few things, but I definitely think some of the old school mentalities and thing that things that Roger still does in, in his team is why we have so much success still. Well, I always harken back to a story that Roger Penske loves to tell about when he arrived uh, with Penske Racing at that time for the first Indianapolis 500 for the team in 1969. The other teams in Gasoline Alley looked at him and he said, we were called the guys with the cruise shirts and the polished wheels. That elevated the professionalism of the sport, elevated the way people look at IndyCar in the Indianapolis 500. And in a lot of ways, I think, that's sort of what we're seeing with Justin Marks and Trackhouse. Yep. No, and look, at, at another example is that was when Roger went to supercars. It's just, even though it was in 2015, the amount of people that are wearing black pants and uh, tucked in shirts now in the supercars paddock is is 90% more than there was before. And I think that's raised the sport as well. And and you, you need people like that. And I think, I think Justin's going to be, that guy in the future, I think he's going to change the sport. It's going to bring the sport to that demographic that everyone's chasing that 18 to 30 year old sort of bracket that everyone's trying to get their hands on um, because that's the next generation. And we need new generation people to keep the sport growing and keep manufacturers interested and whatnot. But yeah, I think there's ways of, you know, Roger doing something and Justin doing something. It's just an old school and a new school way. But if you merge the two together, I can, I think that can be very powerful. And one last question about GoPro Motorplex. You as a racing driver, I know Will Power is out there all the time. How often do you get a chance to go out there and run the cart? And how does it keep you sharp? Yeah, look, I actually just sold my go-kart because I didn't drive it enough. I'm probably on the golf course too much. But um, there, there's there's a balance. I mean, you just got to look at how uh, Will rolled over last year and broke his ribs. So, like, I think 
there's a there's a risk factor there in doing it because you go out and you're racing around with 16 year olds that you know if they pass willpower they're gonna you know get a contract from Roger Penske but it's just not gonna happen but sometimes that's their mentality so you gotta be careful about that but I certainly believe go karting it's a huge it's a great sport it's a great sport for teaching young kids the, the ins and outs of racing and and somewhere where obviously I grew my my skin. But I, it's the most purest form. It's a great sport, and and I really I do enjoy it. So I eventually we'll get a go kart again. Just right now, it's a busy period in my life, and also need some money to buy a house. So I'm working on that right now. <laughs> well, we're gonna let Scott McLaughlin go so that he can continue house hunting. But <laughs> keep an eye on this guy. He's gonna be a championship contender for the whole season. He may even be the champion by the end of the year. <laughs> Let's hope. Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske. Good luck the rest of the year. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We want to thank our guest, Team Penske driver Scott McLaughlin, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.